Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 24. Jesus said this as he was preaching to the people. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. Jesus, we pray this morning that as we look at your word, that you would help us not only to hear it, but to act on it, to be doers of your word. Would you please help us to do that? In your name we pray, amen. Okay, so we just heard that parables are earthly stories with a heavenly meaning. That's what we just got done hearing about. So what Jesus is doing here, he's not finishing his Sermon on the Mount teaching us about being good carpenters, right? He's not talking about our basements and what kind of foundations that our houses are supposed to be built on. That's not what Jesus is doing. He's teaching us what it means to build our lives. What's the foundation of our lives? Is it sturdy? Is it stable? Right? He's teaching us earthly stories, stories that have to do with stuff on earth to teach us about God and about what it means to worship Him and follow Him. He's closing his sermon now asking a question. All of these people had gathered, just like we're gathered here today, all of these men and women, boys and girls, had gathered to hear Jesus teach, and he's saying, hey, if you're going to follow me, what kind of follower are you going to be? What kind of disciple are you going to be? And here's Jesus' main point. True followers are those who listen and do what Jesus says. His point's very simple. A true follower, a true Christian, a true disciple is someone who hears, listens to, and does what Jesus says. That's the point that Jesus is trying to make here. Now, this makes sense, right? The name Mark Sisson might mean absolutely nothing to most of you. Mark Sisson, if you Google him, is one of the most popular men to follow on Twitter for his exercise, nutrition, dieting routines. Mark Sisson has a ton of followers. And if I were to tell you guys, listen, I am a legit Mark Sisson follower, like, I'm on it. I follow him daily. I look at what he has to say every day like I am a legit follower of Mark Sisson. You would expect certain things of me. You would expect me to know, like, well, what does Mark Sisson say? What kind of routines? What is, what is his nutritional philosophy? What does he teach? And eventually you would ask me, how is that working out for you? Like, how are you doing with acting on what Mark says? Now, please, don't ask me too many questions about Mark Sisson. I read one of his books and like maybe a half a chapter of it years ago, and as far as I know right now, I'm doing absolutely nothing that he says. Like, don't, add, don't press me on Mark Sisson stuff. But if I was claiming to be a real follower, like I'm on it with this guy, but not doing anything he says, you would start to call into question how serious of a follower I was, Right? That's what Jesus is getting at here. True followers not only listen and hear, 
but they actually do what he says. That's what he's getting at. Now, I want to... I want to talk about two questions. I want to try to answer two questions this morning. So if you're taking notes, here they are. Okay? What does it actually mean to follow Jesus? What does it actually mean to listen and do what Jesus says? That's question one. And then question two is why does it matter? Why does it matter that we listen and do what Jesus says? So what does it mean? Why does it matter? Those are the two questions I want to try to answer and to think about together this morning. What does it mean, first, to listen and do what Jesus says? Now, Jesus makes this very simple, right? He tells us a story about two people. Look back at your Bibles. Look at verse 24. Who's the first person that Jesus talks about? What's he like? He's like, what kind of a man in verse 24? Someone shout out the answer. A wise man, okay? And this wise man, Jesus says, is like a builder who builds his house on what? Some of the boys and girls answer the question. What is the wise man building his house on? We just heard about it sung in the story. A rock, good. Okay, Jesus is making simple. And when the storms come, what happens? What happens to the house? Does it stand or does it fall? It falls, okay? So it's real simple. That's person number one. And Jesus says that man or woman who does this, who hears his word and does it, is like a wise person who builds his house on a sturdy foundation, on a rock, and it doesn't fall. Now look at verse 26. He's, he's making a comparison, right? Not this, but that. There's a contrast that he's making. Verse 26, this man is like what? What kind of a person? A foolish person. And, and what does he build his house on? Sand. Okay, so then same thing. The storms come, the winds, the floods, and what happens to that house? It falls. Correct. So Jesus is making this real simple. There's a wise person and a foolish person. But here's the thing. When we start to read this, it can be easy to think that Jesus is saying there's a really good person and a really bad one. The really good person, he's the type of guy you want as your neighbor, right? Super cool, super friendly. He'll give you the shirt off his back. He's just the nice kind of guy to be around. He reads the Bible. He prays. He goes to church. Like, he's just a really good guy. Now, the fool, he's not the kind of dude you want living next door. He doesn't even own a Bible. He doesn't have any interest in God. He only spends his money on himself and on shady things. You definitely do not want this guy living next door to you. That's ten, we can tend to think about Jesus' parable in this way. The really good guy and the really bad guy. But here's the problem. In this sermon, Jesus has been talking a lot about these people called the scribes and the Pharisees. The religious leaders. And these guys, they really did it. Like, they really did give. And they really did pray, and they really did fast, and they really did teach people about God. They were doing a lot of good stuff for God. But they lacked one thing. They lacked a genuine, true relationship with God. Everything on the outside looked great. But on the inside, they lacked a true relationship with God. They knew a lot about God, but they didn't know him. See, there's a difference between knowing about God and knowing a lot of Bible verses and going to church and knowing 
knowing the right answers about God and actually having a relationship with Him, knowing Him like you would know your mom or your dad or know your wife or your husband or know your kids. There's a relationship that they were missing with God. Jesus is saying, do you know God? Do you have a relationship with Him? Now, just like in the song, if we were to drive into this neighborhood where this construction was going on, we'd see both of those houses and say, they look pretty good. They look nice. Jesus is not saying one house was really nice and one house was really ugly. If we drove into the neighborhood and saw these two homes on the outside, they would look really nice. What's the difference between them, though? The foundation. Something you can't see. Something that you can't initially detect. And Jesus has been talking about this throughout the entire Sermon on the Mount. It's the hidden relationship with God that you need. Unless your foundation, unless your life is built on that personal, intimate relationship with God through Jesus Christ, you're building your life on sand. That's what it means. See, this is how it works, okay? Our obedience, following Jesus, listening to what He says, and doing what He commands us to do, is all about being in a relationship. When we build our lives on this foundation of a relationship with God that we come into by believing in Jesus, what He did, and what He said, and what He accomplished, specifically on dying on the cross and rising from the dead, if we come into a relationship with God through Him, then we begin to learn, what, is it, what did Jesus teach? What does God like? What does God not like? How, how do I live? And He gives us His Holy Spirit. So now, our hearts that were once hardened toward God and did not want to follow Him, He changes those hearts, gives us His Holy Spirit, and enables us in this relational context, in a relationship with God, He gives us the ability to start listening and doing what Jesus says. So what does it mean to listen and do what Jesus says? It's first and foremost about a relationship with God through Jesus. Do you have that? Are you that kind of follower? That's what Jesus is getting at here. What does it mean? It means having a relationship with God through Jesus and then by His power, through His Spirit, and through the work that He's doing in our lives, we listen and obey Him. Do you have that type of relationship? Is your life built on that foundation? You see, because if we're trusting in anything else, whether we're young or old, if we are trusting in some other foundation, that foundation is surely going to fail us. It's surely going to let us down. It's surely going to be seen in the end as insufficient to approaching God. Jesus loves the people that were gathered here, just like He loves us today. And so He's posing a question. What kind of a follower are you? What is your life built upon? Are you listening and doing what I say? Not to earn a relationship with God, but because I actually have one. See, there's a difference there. I don't do what Jesus says to earn my way to God. I do what Jesus says because I know God. I follow Him. He saved me. I've come to a point in my life where I say, God, I can't do this. I can't get to you. You had to come and get me. And through your Jesus, your death on the cross, your resurrection, your taking all of my sin and my shame and bearing the wrath of God for my sin on the cross, I 
I'm offloading that onto you. I'm unloading all of my guilt, all of my shame, all of my wrongdoing. I'm unloading it onto you. And by faith, I'm receiving from you all of your obedience, all of your righteousness, all of your mercy and your grace. So that when I stand before God, I'm not presenting myself. I'm not saying I listened and did everything Jesus told me to do. I'm saying no. Jesus obeyed God perfectly in my place. Jesus died as a penalty for my sin. And I'm here because of what he did, not because of what I did. That's what you can do. They can even do that today. If you, don't have, if you find, you know what, as I'm listening, I don't think I have a relationship with God. I don't think I'm that kind of follower. If I had to honestly think about it, I don't think I would describe myself that way. This is a great moment of opportunity. Because right here, right now, you can talk to God about those things. You can say that you want to follow him. You can, you can share with him, listen, I... I haven't done things the way you want me to, but I, I, I'm responding to you. I want to I I walk with you. I want to have a relationship with you. I want to follow you that kind of way. Boys and girls, if you don't have a relationship, you can talk to your moms and your dads about that today. This is something that's incredibly, incredibly important. What does it mean to listen and do what Jesus says? It first means that we have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That's what it means to listen and do what Jesus said. Now, why does all that matter? I said I wanted to answer two questions. What does it mean? And why does it matter? So we've talked about what it means. Listening and doing what Jesus says means having a relationship with God through Jesus. Why does that matter? Why does it matter that we listen and do what Jesus says? Well, we might think that what Jesus is getting at here are the storms of life. Everybody goes through hard times in life, and the winds and the floods and the, the, the waves and all of the things that are happening here, well, those are the storms of life. And what Jesus is getting at is if we build our lives on faith in God and His promises, and we do what He says, even at times of trial, we're going to get through okay. Now, there's some truth to that. But that's not what Jesus is getting at here. In fact, we know this because if we read just above this, Jesus says that a bunch of people come to him and say, Lord, Lord, on that day. On what day? What day is Jesus talking about? He's actually talking about the day that every single man, woman, boy, girl, every human being that's ever lived is going to stand one day on that day before God Almighty. Did you know that the Bible teaches that? Every single one of us is going to stand one day in the literal presence of God and He's going to evaluate our lives. Jesus is talking about that day. That's why this matters so much. Jesus is talking about heaven or hell. He's talking about all of eternity with God in his presence or all of eternity in hell apart from the Lord. This is why this matters. It's very, very weighty. Now, this actually is one reason why a lot of people don't like Christianity. All this talk about Judgment Day and heaven and hell, man, like chill out, right? I'm not trying to think about all those things. I'm just trying to enjoy my life. 
Well, think about it this way. It's summertime, and usually people like to go to the beach in the summer. My family and I like to go to the beach. Maybe some of you guys have been at the beach this summer. Let's say you're hanging out at the beach, and you notice off in the distance a boat that's racing toward the shore. And as that boat gets a little bit closer, you start to hear like sirens and lights and there's a horn that's blowing. And eventually it gets close enough where you can start to hear somebody speaking and they are screaming, Tsunami! A tsunami is coming! There's big waves that are coming to, 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 to crash on the shore. You have to leave. You must leave. You must get out of here. Now, wouldn't it be silly if I was standing on the beach saying, oh, would you stop with all that already? Like, my family and I, it's sunny out. I'm enjoying my day at the beach. It's hot. The water feels refreshing. You're just trying to scare me because you just want me to leave. That would be silly, right? Jesus is doing a very similar thing. He's saying, listen. Something very serious is coming your way. And I love you, and I want to prepare you for that. I want to get you ready so that on that day, you will be one who stands firmly in front of God. I love you, and I want to get you ready for that day. That's what Jesus is doing here. This is one of the most loving things that somebody can do at the end of a sermon. He's saying, listen, I haven't just given you these things to think about. There is a day coming that I'm preparing you for. What kind of a follower are you? Do you have a relationship with God? Do you obey Jesus because you love God and you have his spirit that confirms that you're one of his children? Are you doing what Jesus commands you to do because you're in a relationship with God? That's why he's trying to close his sermon in this way. This really matters. It matters because heaven and hell await us. And having a relationship with God and actually doing what he says in our lives is going to allow us on that day of judgment to stand before him, not on the confidence that we have, not because I can say, I listened and did everything that Jesus told me to do. No. I followed Jesus because he loved me. He saved me. He transformed my life. He gave me his spirit. Did I obey perfectly? No. I sinned and I failed along the way, but my hope, my rock-solid foundation is not in myself, it's in him. And so that's why on a day of judgment, I can be like the house built on the rock. Not the rock of my obedience, the rock of Jesus Christ and all he accomplished for me. Okay, that's what it means. That's why it matters. Let me have the band come back up. I want to close with a story that you can actually read about in the Bible. This week, maybe if you have some time with your mom and dad, you can read about the story of Ananias and Sapphira. They were a husband and wife. And in Acts, the book of Acts, it talks about what they did. So in the early church, there was a lot of really powerful things happening. When Jesus had finally risen from the dead and ascended back up into heaven where he is now, the early church, the men and women who started following him, were, were doing some really, really amazing things, radical things. And one of the things that they were doing when they had learned about all that God did for them in Jesus, how generous and kind God had been to them, 
they started being generous and kind to other people. People started selling their homes. They started selling their lands. They started giving their possessions so that those who didn't have enough had what they needed. Well, Ananias and Sapphira, they started seeing the honor and the respect that those men and women were getting for selling their stuff and sharing. So they said, well, we want some of that honor ourselves. They had a plan, though. They said, well, we'll sell our house or we'll sell our property, but we'll make it seem like we're giving everything to the church, but we're going to keep some back for ourselves so that we can enjoy it. So they came to church and they said, look, we're giving it all away. Now on the outside, Ananias and Sapphira looked exactly like everybody else. They were all coming looking the same way, but it was God's judgment. God actually took their lives that day. Ananias and Sapphira died that day because they were lying to God and they, they were only concerned about what's on the outside. God says, no, I'm looking at your heart. Down deep, do you have a relationship with God? That's what God is after. Are you being honest with God? Are you just trying to present something that looks a certain way but you lack what's most important? That's what Jesus is doing here. Look quickly just at your Bibles at the way this ends. Verse 29 and 20, 28 and 29, it says people were astonished at Jesus' teaching. Is that what it means to be a true disciple? Does it mean to be really hype after a sermon or after a Bible study? Is that what a true follower does? In 8.1 it says great crowds followed him. Is that what it means? Is being a true disciple following Jesus? Well, because that's just what everybody does. Great crowds are following him, so I'll follow him. No. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount is calling for true followers. He's calling for people who will listen and do what he says from the heart. He's calling for followers who will build their lives on one solid rock, the foundation of his cross and his resurrection. He's calling for us to live lives of total transformation empowered by His Spirit. And He's calling us to be those who have no fear and judgment because His perfect love has cast out all of our fear. That's the type of follower that Jesus is calling for as He wraps up the Sermon on the Mount. Friends, are you that kind of follower?